0: and welcome to the Strad podcast. I'm Davina Shum. I'm a cellist and I'm the online editor at the Strad. Fresh from her senior division victory at this year's Sphinx competition is violinist Ingeoma Grevious, who spoke with me about competitions and performance. She shared with me her chosen performance preparation strategies what helps her embody the character of the piece she's playing on stage, as well as her hopes for her future career. Plus, what can string players learn from flute players? Have a listen to Engioma Engioma welcome to the Strad podcast. Um, it's an honour to have you here. So fresh from your recent victory of the senior division of the Sphinx competition, which was held just a couple weeks ago. So we're here to talk a little bit about the competition and your strategies for preparation and being on stage the Sphinx competition it's a huge competition there's a lot at stake how do you feel before going on stage I mean do you have any particular strategies for dealing with nerves or performance anxiety well first
1: I want to thank you so much for having me on your podcast Davina I'm so excited to share with everyone and That's a great question. You know, we're trained from the beginning that we're going to be performing all the time. And it's so true. And I think in preparation, what I have found to be the most important is to keep that performance mindset in mind at every chance that you can when you're practicing. Um, At every point that you can, when you're thinking about your fingering, when you're thinking about your bowing, when you're thinking about character and how you want to embody or not embody certain feelings and emotions. I think that that's all paramount to having a successful performance in a successful showing. Specifically, when preparing for like right when I'm backstage and getting ready to go on stage, I definitely have nerves. The best ways for me to cope with them I don't know. There's so many different ways. But one of the main ones is that I think about this TED Talk that Amy Cuddy, she gave in 2002. It's about striking a power pose. And it's really just about opening up your body and your chest physically because that sort of, I don't know, it just gives you a sense of confidence and it really relaxes your muscles and opens up your heart. And to me, that's just really important to my routine, I guess, before going on stage.
0: Yeah. That is an important thing, isn't it? To think about physicality before going on stage because when we're nervous we tend to tense up, don't we? And the body gets smaller and we constrict things like blood vessels, our muscles and our motion becomes restricted. So I imagine to an extent, you know, opening up into those power poses, you get more oxygen flowing, you get more blood flowing as a result and then therefore you're able to as you say, feel more confident. Do you think about your breathing at all before you go on stage? What's kind of going through your mind at this point?
1: I definitely think about my breathing. And that reminds me actually of a lesson that I had with the amazing flute player Damari McGill as part of a orchestral intensive that Sphinx was holding um, over Zoom in 2020. And it was super cool, first of all, to have a lesson with a flute player. Um, And I just loved how he was talking about basically the relationship between airflow and how that's sort of similar to using the bow as a string player and how that's really what fuels the music making and the phrase making. So I definitely think about breathing and making sure that my breathing is consistent and it sort of focuses me and centers me so that I'm ready to go on stage and able to share with the audience the emotions that I'm feeling. And it's not only breathing, too. I also, in my practice time beforehand, I make sure that I have key words and characters and feelings and emotions that connect to certain sections so that when I'm on stage and my mind is sometimes, you know, it's like out of it kind of an out of body experience. Sometimes I've already practiced words and phrases that will help me to center myself um, on stage.
0: Yeah. Act as an anchor so that you can hold on to them be like, at least I've replicated this moment in the past. This is just another one of those moments and I can just hold on to it now. Exactly. I like what you said about learning from flute players. I think as string players, we can learn so much from singers and wind players, brass players blowers (laughs) um (laughs) because that is absolutely central to their way of music making and i think perhaps with string playing we think a lot about mechanics don't we but we need to integrate that feeling of, of breath so that we can think about phrasing and and it feeds into confidence as you mentioned before right this has all happened sort of going on stage and you know Hopefully you're feeling good, you're feeling confident, you've struck your power pose and you've got the blood and the oxygen flowing throughout your body. And then once you're on stage... As a performer, we need to embody the composer's wishes, you know, live in front of an audience, in front of the orchestra, and and communicate that with the conductor that we're working with. I work with a lot of actors, and I find it quite interesting to see how they're just able to switch between all these different characters so quickly. From a musician's point of view, you know, what are your tips for upholding an onstage persona um, in terms of, what you performed at the Sphinx finals the other night, the Coleridge-Taylor Violin Concerto.
1: I think that when I'm on stage, what's most important to me is just being able to share with the audience the music and the beautiful music that composers have written. And I think specifically for the Coleridge-Taylor, I mean, that was hands down one of the most thrilling experiences that I've ever had on stage. Definitely the largest audience I've played for as a soloist. And the nerves were certainly there, but I would say the excitement trumped every single thing. And for me, going into the competition, my mindset was that I just, I wanted to make it to the finals so that I could have the chance to perform the first movement of the Coleridge Taylor because I love performing and, you know, just having that chance to play in the finals would basically make three things align for me as a young violinist. And so the first of those things is being able to play with the Sphinx Orchestra. That is an orchestra that I have looked up to and an organization, I should say, um, primarily that I've looked up to since I was five years old. Um, And I grew up in a string training program in Boston called Project Step. There are many peers, mentors, older than me when I was five years old that I look up to who had gone to the conference every year, many of whom competed, and some of whom also advanced to the finals and even won the competition. And I always knew from when I was young that I wanted to work just as hard so that I could have the chance to do that. And so it was an absolute honor and privilege to just share the stage with the Sphinx Orchestra. The second thing that just made that day and that whole experience so exciting was the fact that I was able to play and perform and work with maestra Kalina Bovell. She's somebody that I've actually been Facebook friends for a while with. I knew about her. And so when they announced that she was the conductor for the competition orchestra, I was so excited because she is one of those Black female classical musicians who has made away way for me with maybe without really knowing it and especially in such a competitive field as conducting and such a small field as conducting within the already small arena of classical music I mean it was so amazing that she and I were able to collaborate on stage and it was just so rewarding for me to be up there with her.
0: Yeah it's an example of when the cosmos aligns when things like that happen, right? It just m- must be a combination of all sorts of different circumstances that have to happen for, you know, something like you two to work together in this Sphinx competition final.
1: The third component I think of that the finals a couple weeks ago of the Sphinx competition was just being able to play the Coleridge Taylor violin concerto. It's a piece that not many people know of and is certainly underplayed and I was just so excited to have the chance to, first of all, learn the piece, an opportunity to learn the piece, and to be able to perform that and share with people my take on it and the story that I think of when I play this piece. And so I think it's also really cool how this piece was premiered by Maude Powell, who was a pioneering female violinist of his time, and she's very much responsible for sharing his music Worldwide, domestically, and internationally. And so, as a Black female violinist playing with the Sphinx Orchestra and playing with the amazing maestra Kaylina Bovell, it was exactly as you said the cosmos just totally aligned for me. And again, like the nerves were there, but the happiness, the joy, and the mission to share my story. And my interpretation of the Coleridge Taylor with the orchestra and for the Sphinx competition audience, it just trumped it all.
0: (laughs) You mentioned before about how you wanted just the opportunity to share the music with the audience, which you got to do very successfully, I might add. But it leads me to um, reflect on how competitions, not just victories, but competitions in themselves, are kind of the beginning of the journey for a lot of young musicians. It's a stepping stone. It's not necessarily the end goal, but what opens up are plenty of new opportunities for the future. So, you know, for you, you've you've won first prize. You've got plenty of solo engagements coming up, you know, career support. So tell me, what are your hopes and dreams? for the future off the back of this competition? Oh,
1: I have, I mean, I have so many and I just want to start by saying that after the competition, um, like after the final concert, a lot of people were coming up to me and saying like, it's only just starting and I totally believe them and that's exactly how I feel because it's not an end goal. So many things are going to come out of this win and this opportunity to be a part of the Sphinx family and to have... support to continue my career. And I think ever since I was young, I've never thought of myself as a musician who's just in one lane. Ever since I was in Project Step and doing New England Conservatory prep, orchestra, solo, and chamber music have all three been huge parts of my life. So I'm really excited and thrilled to just continue on that path. I love all three things equally and you know it's just kind of whatever whichever one I'm doing I'm so excited about doing in the moment and I also think they go in hand in hand and they all complement each other really really well and we talk about in Quartet how we all need to individually be on point so that when we go into rehearsal or when musicians go And collaborate on Mendelssohn octet and only have, you know, like a day, (laughs) one day, one three-hour rehearsal to get it done, you know, all that work, individual work beforehand has been done and I think the collaborative aspects of orchestra and chamber music also feed into solo performances. You have to know the score, you have to know the piano part, you have to know the orchestra part and I just love how those three things complement each other.
0: Yeah, for sure. You don't want to box yourself in, in in one thing, because I think when you do lots of different disciplines, you start to get different perspectives and you start to see how they all inform each other and how they all feed each other. And I think that is really, really valuable. And thank you so much once again for being on the Strad podcast and congratulations. We look forward to hearing more about your path off the back of your competition victory. So thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks
1: so much, Davina.
0: That was violinist Engioma Grievous. If you're interested in more podcast episodes about competitions and performance prep, check out our previous episodes with serial competition winner Maria Udenich, violinist Nikolai Sheps-Snyder and performance coach Dr. Renée Paul-Gautier. We've got quite the back catalogue of useful gems and words of wisdom from past guests, so check them out today. And don't forget to check out thestrad.com where you'll find the latest news, articles and reviews on all things to do with string playing. If you like what you see and hear, register and subscribe to access exclusive archival content from 2010 onward. We've got 50% off an online subscription for students and if you're not sure you're ready to subscribe, take out a free trial for seven days, start reading right away with no strings attached. And if you happen to be on Apple Podcasts right now, give us a little review or rating. It will help other people discover this podcast. Thanks for listening and tune in again soon for another episode. Take good care. Bye.